This episode includes violence, brief descriptions of attacks, and violence towards a child. Listener discretion is advised. New Orleans is a place rich with history. As you walk through the city, it almost feels as though it itself is alive. But in 1919, all it took was one man and an axe to bring it to its knees and fill it with music. Hey, have you heard about the Axeman of New Orleans? Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Hey, Have You Heard About? My name is Maddie, as always, and joining me today is a new voice. You've never heard her before. My friend Mackenzie. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hello. Okay, so today's episode is an unsolved mystery, and we haven't done one of those in a hot minute because I know a lot of people aren't huge fans of them because a lot of people like closure. I feel like I've said this before recently. Maybe I have. I don't know. But it is an unsolved case, and I'm very excited to share what it's about. It's a creepy one. It's famous thanks to American Horror Story. Really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's a little spoiler. So before we get into that, I do want to talk about our social medias and stuff. So if you like what you hear, if you want to, you know, keep up to date with the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. That's going to be at podcast. I try to post there pretty regularly. I haven't recently because... I'm graduating, and well, I would have graduated by now when this episode is coming out, hopefully. Um, still still uh, waiting on that news. Senior year, finals, trying to find a job, kind of been crazy. But I'm hoping to be more active about it this summer and in the future. So if you want to keep up to date, follow us there. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to support the show directly. I post updates weekly there, just sort of talking about what's going on. Sometimes, I mean, they're usually pretty short, just like a couple paragraphs or so. Not paragraphs, like, not long paragraphs, but it's a couple short paragraphs and all that sort of stuff. And then patrons, patrons actually get episodes a day early, which is really, really fun. Good for them. We also have a merch store, so that's going to be at teespring.com slash hey, have you heard about? All of the proceeds from the merch store go to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. It's a great organization that helps find missing kids or take kids out of really bad situations, all that kind of stuff. So we definitely want to give back to the community and support them. So today's good news is really fun. I actually, I went, we're recording this in April because once again, trying to graduate here and I found this news story today and it's titled trading old cars for electric bikes France moves to offer handsome financial incentives and it's really cool basically the article is linked below you'll be able to see it along with all the other sources for this episode it is talking about how the French government is going to give citizens who want to trade their old cars a stipend to purchase an electric bike and I think that's I mean it's super cool because environment and stuff like that. I wish we could do something like that I here. I feel, because I, I really enjoy, I have a bike and I enjoy riding it around like when it's really nice outside. And it's usually really nice outside. So I feel like this is a really great solution for, I mean, it doesn't rain that much here. I don't know about France, but you know, if it's not a rainy day, I think it's pretty smart just to like go around on an electric bike instead of a car, you know? Yeah, even if you didn't use cars all the time i think just sometimes that would really help the environment yeah exactly i'm not gonna go too much into this 
article because we do have kind of a lot to talk about today that I want to get into with the actual case. But I definitely recommend checking it out. It's really short. It's super cool. Basically, it's talking about how this incentive to, you know, buy electric bikes by turning in your old cars and stuff is really, it's just interesting. And France is the first one to do this. Obviously, I think it's a great way to help with the environment and all that stuff. So it gives me hope for the future. Yes. Plus, how cute would it be if we all just rode around on bikes? <laughs> like, that'd be so much fun. That's yeah. the world I want to live in. That's that's a cute story, but that's enough good news for today. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> so today's case is one that perplexes me. It confuses me. It's just weird. And I have my own thoughts about it, which I'll share like at the end. And on the final thoughts, which for $7 patrons, that'll be out in the next week or so. But it's just, it's an interesting one. Interesting enough to make it into American Horror Story, whether that be good or bad, depending on your opinion on that show. Okay, Mackenzie, have you ever heard of the Axeman of New Orleans? I have not heard about the Axeman of New Orleans. Tell me about it. He's quite the character. Okay, so picture this. I had to go heavy duty research for this. It took me a second to find the info I needed. Picture this. New Orleans, 1910s, okay? It's a huge time of modernization. There are tons of port facilities and warehouses being built. There's a new drainage and sewerage and water systems going on. There's an expansion of public education. New homes are being built. And jazz was like the thing in the city, you know? Like, the thing. I think we, when I think of New Orleans, besides like ghosts and stuff like that, I think of jazz jazz music and this was the time when jazz music really blew up pretty much in that city in particular during the 1910s when this happened you know it was pretty good like the city was thriving it was doing a lot of really good things and then unfortunately a serial killer showed up and ruined everything oh of course yeah. just when you get start getting into the revolution of you know things uh -huh. and making the world better uh -huh. it just gets worse again it just gets worse again exactly it's like the pendulum theory <laughs> yeah no so the axeman of new orleans decided you know what the 1910s are not very exciting right now so i'm gonna ruin that they ruin this vibe his first recorded murder was may of 1918 so late 1910s moving into the 1920s it was an italian grocer joseph maggio and his wife Catherine. they were killed with a straight razor before actually being hit in the head with an axe which is very peculiar i don't know why you just don't go for it with an axe but we'll talk about my theory about this in just a moment Police were baffled, pretty much. There was no signs of forced entry. Nothing was taken. You know, it was like this this person that had murdered them had just showed up, popped into their house, killed them, and then popped right back out. And even more perplexing, the murder weapon, or not the murder weapon, but the axe that was used was theirs. Like, it was their own. So he didn't even bring an axe. No. He was just, it just so happened to be there. He yeah. was just ready. He was just ready to do the deal with it with a with whatever was around and you know maybe he brought the straight razor i didn't i couldn't find information about that but i did find it very curious that he used their own axe well, if it wasn't there then it's like what would he have done yeah exactly i guess just use the straight razor if he brought it with him <laughs> so police actually found the killer's clothes indicating that he had changed clothes before he left which is very peculiar as well like i was Oh, gosh. I was watching something the other day. It was a TV show. I can't remember what it was, but it was the... It was, I think it was true crime. But the killer would... Oh, no, it wasn't a TV show. It was a YouTube video. And the killer would basically 
murder his victim and then he would change he'd bring a change of clothes and he'd change clothes so he could take all the like wouldn't track blood through the house or something like that yeah that makes sense that it like leaves the evidence behind Mm -hmm. but i'm assuming it's it's the 1910s this kind of maybe deep thinking yeah makes like it's confusing to the police yeah perplexes them yeah or i mean there were some there were some forensic type stuff in the 1910s but there wasn't anything that we have today like i don't think they could they could probably tell the blood type but they wouldn't be able to test dna or anything like that oh you know? so it's still then they still just wouldn't realize like why would he leave it behind kind of like yeah. you can't be tracked by that blood right exactly so it's peculiar it's very weird and not only that the police found a message written in chalk just a couple streets down and it said mrs joseph maggio will sit up tonight just like mrs tony which is also very perplexing. And I couldn't find if they had determined that this what because I believe that happened a couple days after the murder. I couldn't find if the police had determined that it was the killer that had written that or if it was just like a couple pranksters because that does sound like something that a couple teenagers in the 1910s where there's nothing else to do, you know, would do. But it's just very weird. Right. As far as I'm aware, there is no Mrs. Tony on the list of victims of this. That's what I was going to ask. Like, who is Miss Tony? I have no clue. I couldn't tell you. But like I said, it really perplexed police because all of the valuables were still there. There was nothing as far as they could tell that was taken from the home. So literally, once again, was just like somebody popped in out of nowhere or was let in and just murdered these people and then left, which is weird. The only thing that was taken was a life. Yeah, exactly. Two lives. lives, even. (laughs) It's so weird. The second attack i want to say attack one person did die later but did not die like it that night but it, this attack happened one month later june 27th of 1918 lewis or louise uh bessemer and harriet Lowe, they were found in the back of louise bessemer's store he, i think he was another grocer they both ended up living after the attack interestingly or at least harriet Lowe did for a couple days she actually was partially paralyzed as a result like her face was partially paralyzed because he's this guy's hitting people in the heads with the axes so obviously like you're gonna have some sort of brain damage or facial damage because of that i mean that's just plain obvious to me um but she actually was partially paralyzed as a result and she had a surgery to try and fix it and then died two days later after after it. That's so sad. Yeah. She thought she made it. Exactly. And what's even sadder is that the scandal that came out of this, because it wasn't, it was focused on the Axeman, but it was also focused on the fact that these two had been having an affair. Really? When they were attacked. Ah. Yeah. So, like, so it's interesting, and I think... This is, in my opinion, this is like one reason there's, there was so much drama around, I think, this particular attack, because this was like, oh my God, there's an affair happening, you know? And I feel like it, that really distracted reporters and stuff from the fact that they had been attacked, you know? So that, that was something that a lot of sources pointed out, that everyone was focusing more on the affair than the actual, like, crime committed, which it's- I... It's making me start to think we're going into the direction of like a like a saw type murder. Like someone Ooh. does something really morally unjust. Ooh. Even though like affairs are really common right now, 
at that point in time, I bet that someone would think a big that's big. Yeah. Yeah. That's a thought I hadn't had. But I don't know about the, the first two that he killed or what they could have done, but well, that we'll, could also just not be true at all. But well, no, well, yeah, that's a good theory, and it kind of ties in with one that people have, and we'll get into that in just a second, Ooh. like at the end. But it, that that's an interesting one. I hadn't thought of that before. Interestingly, though, before Harriet Lowe did die, she claimed that Bessemer was the one that attacked her, and she was like, he is the axe man. And he was charged, but then he was acquitted nine months later because they didn't have a lot of evidence to convict him. As much as I want to, I don't want to say believe her, but as as valid as, you know, her claim or what she thinks is her claim might be. Because imagine like you're sleeping and then all of a sudden you wake up and there's a man and the only man that you know is nearby is this guy that you've been sleeping with. You know, like I can see her thought process, but at the same time, it's kind of like... I don't know. There wasn't any evidence as far as I could find that proved that he was the axe man, you know? So it's it's plausible, but yeah. Plausible. Yeah, that's a good plausible, but not a lot of evidence. Like I said, he was charged but acquitted nine months later. Then we're moving on to August 5th. And Anna Schneider was eight months pregnant at the time. Stay with me. It's not as sad as it sounds. Eight months pregnant at the time on August 5th, 1918. And she woke up to somebody standing over her bed with an ax, which is terrifying. Also, want to point out, same thing as the first one, all of these acts were the owners, like the homeowners' axes that were being used, which is really, once again, <laughs> bizarre. So she woke up to somebody standing over her bed with an ax and he bashed her face in. There's no way of getting around that. And she was discovered by her husband, but she survived. Wow. And she gave birth to a healthy baby girl two days later. Aww. So, I mean, work and, or, yeah, Unfortunate Anna. circumstances, oh, but. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she, I mean, the fact that she was able to survive that and then also give birth a couple days later. She's a fighter. If you're going to take away a hero from the story, I think Anna Schneider is definitely, <laughs> definitely the hero. She is the main character. But unfortunately, five days later, another grocer, another Italian grocer, Joseph Romano, was attacked in his home. And his nieces, who had been staying with him and taking care of him because he was older, had heard a commotion and they ran in to see the axe man fleeing the scene. So they actually saw him. Unfortunately, Romano died a few days later because of his attack. So that's, we're up to three victims now. Three dead victims now, not just injured. But the fact that these girls actually saw him is like, whoa, it's bizarre. I wonder if we're starting to get somewhere. Is he going to get caught? Oh, well, it is unsolved. <laughs> that, yeah, <laughs> Spoiler alert. But they did describe him. And this is kind of the image that we have of the Axeman. If you look at art, you'll see him described this way. If you watch American Horror Story, he's in, season three coven by the way i think that's season three he's in the coven season with all the witches in new orleans makes sense if you want to go back and watch that he's he's portrayed in that but he's also portrayed as how he's described as these two or th i think it was two girls described him to the police they described him as dark-skinned heavy-set a man they said he was wearing a dark suit and a slouched hat so kind of like a fedora i'm guessing thoughts well First, I was thinking of just some random dude going into houses and he's wearing a button-up flannel and some pants and right. he's changing out for their, I don't know, same clothing. And mm -hmm. now I'm like, this dude has a suit. Is he getting other people's suits? Is he leaving looking like he's <laughs> the talk of the town and he's coming back out looking just as fly, you he, know? He goes in wearing a suit 
He attacks the people. He finds a suit in the closet. He puts it on and he leaves. Exactly. <laughs> He's got to be somewhere. So first I'm thinking like he has to know all these people have a axe somehow. And yeah. then he has to make sure they have a suit. Right. Because he can't leave without a suit. Obviously. I mean... Why would you? <laughs> That's how a lot of the art and a lot of the depictions of the Axeman during this time, like in the newspaper and all this stuff, that's how they portrayed him as. You know, just kind of this like, I don't know, I kind of think of a mobster, sort of, like a, a Baba Booey kind of guy. Yeah, you know? I'm thinking like, I don't know if anyone's ever heard The Ballad of Black Tom, if you've ever seen the cover mm-hmm, of that book. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that kind of dude, but as they say, more heavyset probably. Yeah, yeah. I think the heavyset part is really interesting and I'll talk about why it's interesting in just a second. It contributes to kind of my theory, I guess, in a way, which I'll talk about at the end. I don't know. It's very weird given the context of what police were saying about this guy. Anyways, we'll get into that literally in just a second. So once people had this description of this guy, people started to see him everywhere. They claimed that they saw him lurking in their backyard or jumping over their fence or leaving axes in people's backyard which was a thing that was happening people were i was i'm not sure if it's the axe man but people started to find random axes in their backyards again don't know if it was him or if it was just a prank i was gonna say it sounds like another team prank maybe that would be something that a lot of teenagers would do you know like they see an opportunity they take it and for some reason it's terrorizing the community which is par for the course for some teenagers you know this is the weirder one that i found but some people claimed that they saw the axe man masquerading as a woman which doesn't make a lot of sense number one because they don't know what he actually looks like number two why why you know that kind of confuses me i don't i don't know where to (laughs) go with that one I i read that and i was like what? <laughs> I'm sure just not like one person said it and it's like, oh yeah, write that down. Write that yeah, down. yeah, 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 for sure. But of course, none of these sightings were confirmed, you know. I'm sure there were a lot of people walking around in suits and fedoras around this time. I mean, it's, it's New Orleans. Yeah, it's New Orleans. It's the 1910s. Fixing to be in the roaring 20s. You know, everybody's like walking around like, hey, Baba <laughs> Some interesting things about the crime scene. Obviously, very bloody. A lot of the blood was, of course, victim's blood, so there wasn't much that police could get from it. Like I said, they were killed with their own axes. There was nothing taken. And here's the interesting bit. And this is why the heavy set part weirds me out. And it contributes to my theory, which I keep hyping up and is probably really, really bad, but we'll get into it in a second. They were wondering, police were wondering, like, how did this guy get in here? You know, like, obviously there's there's no signs of forced entry. You know, the doors are locked, all this stuff, blah, blah, blah they found small chiseled holes in the doors. Not holes like itty bitty tiny holes, but like holes that maybe like a kid or somebody like thin could get in. So I'm wondering where they got the the heavy set part from. Exactly. If we're supposed to assume that he's going through these holes. Exactly. Police reported that no adult male could get through these holes, which is Shapeshifter. Weird. Shape, there you go, shapeshifter. Figured it out. <laughs> possibly with how new orleans how uh the vibes that are there yeah why not i tried to find better descriptions than small chiseled holes but i'm assuming again this is just an assumption i could be wrong i'm assuming by small chiseled holes maybe they meant like i said small enough to where somebody could squeeze like somebody thin could squeeze under it or somebody like a kid could squeeze into it but it would be like they, I read somewhere that they were small enough where you wouldn't notice it right off the bat, which is odd. 
I mean, I feel like know? I'd notice a hole right. if I saw one like that. Right. This is really distressing, though. There are so many things. There just, there's just so many parts to this that are just because of the time period. Yeah. It can't be solved or it's like they at the time they couldn't. Right. And nothing is adding up. It's we're not. I feel like we're getting further and further away from figuring <laughs> yeah. out who this dude it's just is. It's getting weirder and weirder. But that's why the heavy set thing bothers me is because police found this thing. And again, maybe these maybe these girls like who described him were, you know, obviously traumatized. And trauma does funny things to your brain where, like, it'll make you picture things or see things that, you know, that's not reality. So maybe that's where this heavy set thing is coming from. But I don't know. It disturbs me also how it's described as small chiseled holes. I don't know why. Those words, I feel like, should not go together. And so I read that and I was like, ooh. ooh. It, it didn't give me the mental image that you later described to yeah. me. It didn't I make mean, sense. Again, I could be wrong. Maybe... The sources I didn't go too much into detail. They just pointed this out as like this is weird, but maybe like they mean that the guy chiseled holes to unlock the door, and that's the small chiseled holes. But then he they say that no grown like no adult male could get in so, with them. So that's making me think like maybe somebody like a woman or a kid could like scrunch down and go in, you know. So it's like really. Small chiseled holes. Is this something he sticks his pinky into to try and unlock the door? I don't <laughs> know. That's what I was thinking when it first described. I was like, does he, does he stick his finger in there and like try to reach? Or is there like a... If he's heavy set, like, he's got a little salami of a yeah, finger. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. So like, I don't know. It's it's weird. And it's just an odd detail that I thought I would point out. So everyone else can feel as disturbed and confused as I do about the small chiseled holes. <laughs> should be a new merch idea small chisel <laughs> never mind those are the details that they knew in the crime scene and all that kind of stuff so we're moving on to 1919 the axe man had stayed dormant from august 10th to march 10th of 1919 no news you know everybody said like oh we can see we've seen him and all that stuff but there were no confirmed attacks no confirmed sightings of him or anything like that again which is weird because you don't know what he actually looks like anyways that's not the point anyways so it's 1919 March 10th in particular. So the Cormiglia family were another group, or another family of Italian grocers. You seeing a pattern here? There's a pattern here. Ooh, icky pattern here. They were actually killed in a town across the Mississippi River from New Orleans. So they weren't killed in New Orleans. They were just killed like in another area. But people contributed this to the axe band because it had all the telltale signs, like the axe that was used was the families they had the small chiseled holes you know that he came in through and all that kind of stuff so i mean obviously once police investigated it was clear that it was the axe man and he was back according to neighbors screams had been heard in the early morning hours and this man a neighbor named lorando giordano ran to investigate and found them being attacked now he didn't he saw the axe man but he never i don't think described him which is odd i couldn't find you know, his description of him. I'm assuming he saw him because he saw them being attacked. But Charles, the father, was struggling with the axe man. This is all according to Rosie, who was the wife. According to her, Charles, her husband, was struggling with the axe man. And he fell to the floor. And then the man turned on Rosie and then their two-year-old daughter, Mary. And this is like the icky part of the story. And I hate this part so much. But he attacked them and ended up killing Mary, the daughter, two years oh. old which is just tragic, and I hate it. 
This is why I hate serial killers so much. Like, I know that's a very common <laughs> statement, but like, when they do, I mean, I just hate them in general, but when they do stuff like this. And you bring the kids into it. Yeah, like, leave them out of it, you know? It's just gross. So Rosie was found, like, clutching her daughter, and it's, it's just so tragic. And again, trauma does a lot of things to you. It can make you think things and make you feel things that maybe are not reality. And I say that because Rosie accused Lorlando and his son Frank, the neighbors that found them, of attacking them and of being the Axemen. Oh, so the Axemen left Rosie alone? Yeah, left her alive. Yeah, which makes him even worse, let's say. So Rosie accused Lorlando and Frank as being the attackers, the ones that killed her daughter and attacked her and Charles. And Charles denied it. He was like, no, that's not, that wasn't them. They only showed up to help us finally when... You know, we were being attacked towards the end there. But unfortunately, the police didn't have anything. And they were like, okay, so one of the survivors is blaming these two guys, you know, so why not? So they were charged, convicted, and sentenced to death. Obviously not quickly, you know, over the course of a year or so. But just based, I mean, they didn't have any other evidence that it was them except for Rosie's testimony, so. Then it must have been pretty convincing. Yeah, They had nothing else. Yeah, because of this you know, conviction and the fact that they were both sentenced to death. Charles, who still was denying her claim, saying that Rosie was making it all up, ended up divorcing her. And she ended up finally reversing her claim, saying she basically said, like, I was wrong. It wasn't them like a year later after this happened. Um, And thankfully, they were released, which meant, you know, they didn't die. So I don't don't know. Again, I don't want to blame the victim in this instance at all. Because what she went through is tragic, 100%, period. But trauma does weird things to you. And I think convicting two guys based on very little evidence, like just word of mouth testimony, I don't know. Well, this is the second person that has turned on someone that was yeah. around them during the time of this attack. And yeah. It's been like, well, it, it's STEM. It has to be this person's yeah. axe, man. It's weird. It's very odd. You know, we'll have a third one later on. Spoiler oh. alert. Yeah. That was the first first attack of 1919. This was a big year for the Axeman. I hate to say it. It was. On March 19th, or really a couple of days before that, what we know as the legend of the Axeman occurred. Around March 13th of 1919, a lot of the news outlets in New Orleans got a letter. And this is what it said. Starts off strong. Hell, March 13th, 1919. Esteemed mortal, they have never caught me and they never will. They have never seen me for I am invisible, even as the ether that surrounds your earth. I am not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you Orleans and your foolish police call the axe man. Bold, starting off strong. Shapeshifter. He continues. When I see fit, I... Ooh, I got real Southern just then. Okay. (laughs) When I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know whom they shall be. I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe, besmeared with blood and brains of he whom I have sent below to keep me company. Bold, again. Real strong language here. He continues, If you wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I am a reasonable spirit. I take no offense at the way that they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as to not only amuse me, but his satanic majesty, 
Francis, Joseph, etc. Oh boy, it keeps going. But tell them to beware. Let them not try to discover what I am, for it was better that they were never born than to incur the wrath of the axe man. I don't think there is any need of such warning, for I feel sure the police will always dodge me as they have in the past. They are wise and know how to keep away from all harm. Undoubtedly, you Orleans think of me as a most horrible murderer, which I am, but I could be much worse if I wanted to. If I wished, I could pay a visit to your city every night. At will, I could slay thousands of your best citizens, for I am in close relationship with the angel of death. Okay, thoughts? We're about halfway through that letter. So far, the only thing I'm wondering is if it's real. If it is him. Just because of the fact that the beginning he was like, you call me the axe man. Right. And then later he goes on and calls himself the axe man. Uh-huh. Like, would he do that? Mm-hmm. You know, like, would know. he take that title proudly? Because he sounds like he's really proud of just being um, a murderer. This this Dezen from hell. I don't know. Uh-huh. No, yeah, I agree. I feel like this is one of those weird ones that's kind of like, you. C- it's it's odd because you kind of want to believe that it maybe is him, but at the same time, you don't know. Like, it could just be another prank. I just, it's so fascinating how this is worded, though. Like... It is. It's very. I love it's very he's, interesting. He's creating lore for himself, and I yeah. love it. <laughs> like, just, it's so bizarre. This is what made the Axeman honestly so famous. So, he continues. Now, to be exact, at twelve fifteen Earthly time, on next Tuesday night, March nineteenth, nineteen nineteen, I am going to pass over New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I am going to make a little proposition to you people. Here it is. I am very fond of jazz music, and I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared in whose home a jazz band is in full swing at the time I have just mentioned. If everyone has a jazz band going, well then, so much the better for you people. One thing is certain, and that is that some of you are people who do not jazz it on Tuesday night, if there be any, will get the axe. Well, as I am cold and crave the warmth in my native Tartarus, and it is about time I leave your earthly home, I will cease my discourse. Hoping that thou wilt publish this, that it may go well with thee, I have been, am, and will be the worst spirit that ever existed, either in fact or realm of fancy. Signed, The Axeman. Thoughts? Wow. (laughs) Yeah, that's a wow. Just that whole letter just read like he had middle school syndrome but then of course he's so edgy he is Uh (laughs) but i but i know like people that are obviously mentally disturbed like that like Mm -hmm. it's it's extremely possible for them to write so verbosely and believe in themselves in such a way so i don't question like the the kind of way he talks about himself. Mm-hmm. It's just the way he addresses himself. Yeah. Like, because I still am just... Man. Yeah, I'm still just kind of confused. Like, why would he take on such a title someone else has given him if he right. sounds so proud of himself right. in a certain way? Going off of that idea, you would think he he would create, like, his own persona, you know? That's what I'm thinking. Like, like he would already have an image for himself, but mm-hmm. let alone calling him the axe man. Yeah. Is he really the axe devil? Yeah, you know? something like, <laughs> like that. Go with this theme. But so that letter was sent to some newspapers and they published it. And New Orleans went into a frenzy because, oh my gosh, if 
somebody isn't playing jazz music on the night of the 19th, they're going to die because of the Axeman. March 19th, 1919 has become known as the Night of Jazz. Literally every house was lit up with a jazz band. And if you couldn't afford one, you went to somewhere else. Everybody, so it wasn't just playing jazz music. You had to be in a house had, with a band. You had to be there. And it's just like this is... This is such a fascinating piece of New Orleans history. Just not just true crime history, but history in general. I mean, it's terrible that they were so scared of this guy. I mean, obviously, can't deny that. But the fact that they just took this letter, which they have no clue if it actually was the Axeman, and they just ran with it. And, you know, it, the whole city was lit up with jazz. That's fascinating to me, you know? And that's, again, like, the reason the Axeman is so famous. Not just because we don't know who he is. Spoiler alert, I told you it was unsolved. Not because we don't know who he is, but because the power that he had over New Orleans at this time was, like, great. Like, not great as in great, but, like, great as in huge, you know? You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, it's just crazy. The Axeman kept his word. Nobody died that night, which is actually like great isn't great you know who knows if he was even there that night Ooh, we'll talk about that in just a second (laughs) so that was march 19th was the night of jazz and again it's fascinating i recommend you look it up because some of the stories are pretty cool the axeman was dormant for the next couple of months over the summer and through august and october that's when he struck again so august 10th he attacked a man named steve boca He um, had been attacked at night and managed to run over to the neighbors and get help. He actually survived the attack, but he couldn't remember what the attacker looked like. Because he had been attacked with an axe, it was pretty obvious. Police were like, oh, well, it's the axe man. Duh. So that's how they sort of contributed that crime to the axe man. But again, like he, he was hit in the head could not remember who had attacked him but again like the fact that he was able to run to a neighbor and get help good job steve good job september 2nd a man named william carson survived an attack by the axeman so another survivor and he survived because he shot at the axeman oh there we go yeah axe versus gun which what do you think is gonna win so yeah this man had the foresight to have a gun nearby and he shot at the axeman don't know if he shot him like if it made contact but he did shoot at him um and then september 3rd the a day later a woman named sarah lorman was attacked in her home, but she survived with just a concussion, a concussion, some severe head injury, and a couple missing teeth. It's getting sloppy. All yeah. these people are surviving. Exactly. But not a single one still knows what he looks like? Exactly, yeah. Isn't that perplexing? It's very perplexing. Maybe shapeshifter is true. He There's could There's something on the axe. They're swiping on... their memories. Ooh, well, maybe it's just the axe that's... I'm so sorry. Yeah, so it's just just a concussion and the blunt force trauma, you know. It happens. Unfortunately, his last attack was a successful kill. His last confirmed attack, and there's a reason I'm saying confirmed, and we'll talk about it literally in just a second. His last confirmed attack was October 27th of 1919. It was a man named Mike Pepitone. He was killed at home while his wife and six kids were there. His wife saw the axe man running away. But again, I couldn't find her description of him, which is unfortunate. But that was that was his last known attack. And then he just disappeared from New Orleans forever. 
Didn't want to keep going? I, well, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. We can talk about that right now. There were some suspects, obviously, but there were no, nobody was fully punished. People were convicted of being the Axeman, obviously. We've talked about them. But nobody was, like, fully punished. Like, the two, the father and son were convicted, tried, found guilty, and sentenced to death. But they never died because Rosie reversed her claim. So they were convicted, technically, of being the Axeman. But nobody has ever, like, served actual punishment for these murders, this, this these series of murders and, and attacks. There are several suspects the first one you you said about the night of jazz you know was he even in the city or something like what was he doing well the first suspect was a man named john joseph davila who was a jazz musician if we put the dots together he probably was working the night of the jazz you know music and all that stuff which is one of the theories that people put together is that you know based on how he was described by the two nieces he's described as like a stereotypical jazz musician and so people are thinking he says he loves jazz he looks like a jazz musician maybe he was one and he just wanted work you know like it's a weird way to get work but that's one of the theories and but this john joseph davilia guy he was suspected because he created he composed a song called the mysterious axeman's jazz don't scare me papa and he made a lot of money off of it are you are you saying that that song is the reason he was suspected yeah it goes along with the theory that maybe he was a jazz musician looking for work maybe he was a jazz musician who wanted some money and decided to do it in the weirdest and most horrible way possible. I guess artistic liberties and fan work was not widely accepted no, at that point. Not in 1918 and 1919, unfortunately. But he was never convicted. You know, obviously it was just a suspect. And some people think that it was him. I actually haven't heard this song. We should listen to it after we get done recording. Yeah, we should hear that. Um, if it's even on the internet, I'm sure it is. You know, it's it's just bad timing. Just bad timing. You probably shouldn't release Especially a song. Especially if you fit the one yeah, physical description the description. they have. <laughs> it's just really poor timing. The other one was named Joseph Mumfrey. He was a suspected blackmailer and mob enforcer, which we'll get into in a second. And Mike Pepitone's widow claimed that he was the one that had attacked her husband. Once again, there are these people who are pointing fingers, oh, this guy definitely did it. You know, it's weird because, you know, you've got Harriet Lowe and then you've got... Rosie, and now you've got this other woman who's like, yes, it was him. And she actually shot and killed Joseph Mumphrey. Like, she took justice in her own hands. And this death, Mike Pepitone's death, is a little bit controversial, not in the fact that, like, not how he died, obviously, but some people believe that this wasn't connected to the Axeman murders. Some people think that it was just a coincidence. Some people do, obviously, that's why I'm talking about it here. But it's, I don't know. Some people think that it was this guy who ended up just killing him. They don't think he was the axe man, but he probably was, you know, maybe Mike had gotten into bad times with the mob or something like that. And he owed money. And this Joseph guy came in and just mimicked the axe man, some people think. But regardless, Mike Pepitone's wife shot and killed him before police could ever truly investigate him and figure out, hey, maybe this guy actually is the Axeman, you know? But it is, it's interesting that Joseph had a mob connection because a lot of people think that the Axeman was a mobster or somebody who took care of things for the mob, if you know what I mean. Which is why some people say, allegedly, according to some theories, that 
the Axeman had a ton more kills. They just weren't connected to him because it wasn't done in the same way. It wasn't done with an axe. So if you're following the mob theory, maybe he stopped because he was assigned in a different place. Or maybe he was assigned because he was caught and went to jail for being connected to the mob. Thoughts on that? What do you think? Yeah, um, I'm just wondering if if he really was a mob person. Because yeah. it's like, why would you take the time to do all these random axe murders? Right. If we don't... Because every single, almost every single person you've talked about has just been some grocer. Mm -hmm. And we don't know about these people and what they've really done, with the right. exception of one person having an affair. Yeah. So it just makes you think if he's like an important mobster and mm -hmm. he obviously can do some good crimes, uh -huh. why would he just be doing a bunch of random axe murders? Right, exactly. Which is, I mean, I could see the mobster theory, but I don't. I'm, I'm, I don't know a lot about the mob. I'm going to preface that, preface this by saying that. I don't know a lot about the mob. I don't care to know a lot about the mob unless it pertains to, you know, research. But I don't, I don't think a mobster or somebody killing people for the mob would do the exact same thing every time. You know, I feel like why would he chisel small holes in the wall at the, at the same time why There'd would be he be more tact to it yeah There'd why be would he use an axe presentation maybe right. i don't know I'd, I'd have a little bit more faith that they would do it a little bit a lot better right for yeah. lack of better words like i mean There'd i would be an art to it right when i think of like you know like the godfather and no that's the mafia and or whatever but like when i think that kind of stuff uh the only times that it's like a super gruesome murder is like when they need to send a message but why would you need to send a message I think 10 or 12 times, you know, somebody just clearly is not getting that message, you know, <laughs> like right. that you have to do it so often. So I don't, I don't, I think it's an interesting theory, but I don't necessarily think it is what it is. He, you know, he could, he could have been mob and then it's just the fact that you have that position. So it lets you get away with random kills if you really wanted to. Right, exactly. So I mean, it, it could be anything. Yeah. I feel like if it's unsolved and so far there's no leads no really yeah. nothing to go off of yeah exactly so it is unsolved the person was never caught and there's a, there was an interesting article that I, i'm not going to bring up because of time's sake and because i want people to read it it's a smithsonian article that i found and it is talking about how the axeman seemed to target italian immigrants and italian americans which is obviously like a lot of these names are italian names and it's really fascinating. I really liked the article. So I, I'll send it to you if you want to check it out. But I, like, I recommend everybody read it because it's, they talk a lot about stuff that I don't think I could say as well. So I recommend checking that out. That's going to be in the description or the show notes, whatever you're watching this on or listening to this on. Do you want to know my theory? Yeah, I'd love to know. What is your theory? I think there's two people involved. Really? Because, okay, here's my theory. It has to do with the small chiseled holes. Um, <laughs> there okay. We go. okay, so he's described as heavy set. Right, we get that. They say for the small chiseled holes, no adult man could fit through them. Right, we get that. What about a child or a woman? If it's a small chiseled hole, a, a small woman might be able to get through there, you know? This is, this is my theory. And I'll go more in depth in final thoughts so if you're interested uh subscribe to my patron for seven dollars a month but i think it is like a team you know like i know a lot of people only saw the axe man but again trauma makes you forget things trauma makes you see things or believe things sometimes that aren't reality you know 
if he had a partner, they could have waited outside, you know, like, I don't know. The small chiseled whole thing is very suspicious to me. And I feel like the only plausible way somebody who was described as heavyset could get into a house would be if they had a partner who got in first and then unlocked the door and let them in. You get what I'm saying? Like... It would make sense why, um... Rosie would suspect yeah. two people yeah. of doing the job if, or if it was just one exactly. dude with an ass. Exactly. Isn't that suspicious? That's my theory. And like I said, I'll go more in depth with it um, on Patreon. Patreon. Oof, Patreon. But I don't know. Like that, when I was reading all this, I was like, why not two people? You know, like, there, and there's no other evidence just besides the small chiseled holes, which is why they disturb me so much. But I mean, that's the only thing I can think of, unless he is a shapeshifter, you know? Like <laughs> yeah, you you've said. already gotten my theory, yeah, basically. He's a shapeshifter. <laughs> but so that is the story of the Axeman of New Orleans. What do you think? I thought that was really interesting. There yeah. was, I did not know about that at all, mm-hmm. and I really look forward to looking into um, the Night of Jazz. The Night of I Jazz. I didn't even think something like that could happen. That's I know. It's just really interesting to me. It's fascinating. And like New Orleans is such, I love New Orleans. It's one of my favorite places ever. It is such a rich history. And the fact that this is just part of it is just another like layer to its, not mystery, but it's like mystique, you know? Where else would this happen? New York? Nah. LA? Nah. New Orleans? Yeah. Right. I feel yeah. like this is something I would have loved to have learned about. Oh yeah. Like in school or something, you oh, know, yeah. just, just like in general, this is just such an interesting thing. Like it's sad this had to happen. To yeah, people, yeah, yeah. But it's just so interesting. People's how they can affect the world and make people do things. Oh yeah, it's crazy. It's fascinating. Anyways, so as always with our serial killers, I am gonna list the names of the people who all of his victims, whether they died or survived. I'm gonna list them at the end of the episode. But before we get into that, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. If you like what you hear, you can leave us a review on iTunes or a comment on YouTube. I read them all and they help. So definitely do that if you want to, no pressure. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. That's H-H-Y-H-A podcast. I'll be posting more to there over the course of the summer. I still haven't decided what I'm going to do for our two-parter in the summer, but I don't know. I'll think about it some. I don't know. Let me know what you guys want to hear. What are some cases that y'all are interested in? I would love to know. So maybe that'll give me some ideas because I don't know. Oh, my brain is fried. If you want to support the show directly, you can subscribe to us on Patreon. Patreon. I keep saying that wrong. For $1 a month, you get updates every week and episodes a day early. And like I keep saying, $7 a month will get you all of that plus Final Thoughts, which is the video series I do after each episode where I talk about my opinions and my theories. I'll go into a little bit more depth about my theory with this case on that. So if you're interested, check that out. We also have a merch store, teespring.com slash hey, have you heard about? Like I said, all the proceeds go to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Small chiseled hole merch coming soon, question mark? Probably not. But if you guys want it, then sure. Yeah, I'll put something together. (laughs) Please let me know. Anyways. So yeah, definitely check that out if you want to support a good cause and get some super fun merch for this show. All right think that's everything that i need to talk about i will see you guys in about a month june july for our two-parter episode whatever that may be feel free to give me some ideas and i hope you guys have a wonderful day okay so here are the 12 victims of the axe man of new orleans joseph and Catherine maggio louise bessemer harriet lowe 
Anna Schneider, Joseph Romano, Charles Cortmiglia, Rosie and Mary Cortmiglia, Steve Boca, Sarah Lorman, and Mike Pepitone.